you're not sure where Jonah is, it's, it goes Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Mike and Nahum. So it's right in between there. It's, it's part of the minor prophets we call. I want to start a conversation with you that's going to maybe go a couple weeks. It's something that I feel the Lord has been leading us up until this point. And, um, and so I want to talk on the, on the topic, and it's a big topic, and I know many have tackled this topic. There are many books that deal with this topic, but I want to talk about purpose. And I've entitled this series, Made, Made for More, because I, I believe we are indeed, as children of God, made for more. So Jonah chapter 1, we're going to just look at the first two verses today. We're going to study out the life of Jonah, and I think there are some pretty, some pretty clear lessons that we can learn from his life, and we can parlay to ours. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it for their wickedness, has come up before me. Now we're familiar what, with what happens in the next verse, but we're going to just focus on these two verses. And at the sound of preaching a message that seems elementary, I want to make my intentions clear at the beginning. Th this message may not be one that resonates with everyone in this room today. Uh, I want to specifically talk with people that are here today and, and you don't know what your purpose is. Maybe you have an idea. Maybe you've been chasing after something. And, and, and in the pursuit of what you've been chasing after, you are left feeling empty and feeling, uh, maybe asking the question, is, is there, I feel like there's something more. And, and we are made for more. And so... All those who are confused, those who feel misunderstood in purpose, today is for you. And I want to kind of speak specifically on discovering your purpose, discovering your purpose. Would you do this? Would you set your Bibles down and would you just lift your hands to heaven and uh, in your own words, knowing your own story, knowing where you are today, would you ask the Lord to speak clearly through me to you that, that all distractions would cease in these next few moments? that his voice would be very clear, clear to, to your ears, to what you need today. Could you do that? Could you pray with me? Come on, make it personal. Lord Jesus, we need you today. God, I'm so thankful for what you've done in this place. I'm thankful for your presence. I'm thankful for your promises. And God, I pray right now, Lord, I know each person in this room has been endued with purpose. God, they've been created with a plan, a divine plan. Would you touch them today? Would you speak to them? Use my lips, Lord, today to be the amplifier of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord? And you may be seated. He was one shot away from winning the Olympic gold medal. The year was 2004, and Matthew... Emmons was competing in the 50-meter rifle three position. In his first two positions, Emmons had done so well that 
All he had to do with his final shot was simply place the bullet anywhere on the target. And he was promised to win a gold medal. The competition was all but over. Those that were beneath him were now competing for a silver. They were competing for a bronze because gold was taken off the board. And Eamons prepared himself for the final shot like he had done so many times before. He paused, took a deep breath, took aim, pulled the trigger. And you know how moments like that, it seems like eternity passes as you wait for the outcome. And the bullet passed right through the bullseye. Emmons was, was overjoyed. He had accomplished his goal. He, he, had, he had finished and completed what he set out to do, win the gold medal for the U.S. of A. However, his joy quickly became clouded in confusion when he realized the tone indicating a hit never sounded. In Matthew's confusion, he quickly began to look around, and his confusion quickly turned to disappointment when he realized that although he did hit a bullseye, he had hit the bullseye on a wrong target. And instead of winning the gold medal, he would fall off the podium to eighth place. It was the right shot aimed at the wrong target. The right action, but it produced the wrong outcome. I wonder how many times this happens to us. I'm not talking about firing bullets at a, you can go to that connect group and be assured to shoot at sporting clays, but, but let's replace the bullets with action. Let's replace the targets with fulfilled purpose. How often have we done something, albeit a job, a ministry, a task, or a role, and we fire, but we miss the mark? Or worse yet, we hit the wrong target. Now, now, there's not a sound that alerts us that we've missed the target. But more times than not, it's an overwhelming feeling, one that screams, I was made for more. One that, that's nagging in the back of your mind that says, I, I don't believe I'm fulfilling my purpose in this job. One, one that has you looking in the mirror in the morning saying, I, I don't believe I was created for this. Why am I so unhappy? Why do I feel so unfulfilled? So, some, somehow, I, I don't believe God created us to be miserable or unfulfilled in our career. You, you've met the person, and every time you ask them how things are going, their outlook is always negative. Their outlook on their job is always pessimistic. I, I don't think that was God's design that we'd be disappointed and dissatisfied with our life. I, I, I don't think it was God's intention when he created you that you would just merely exist and go through motions. That you would work all your life chasing after something that is always out of reach, only to get to the end and find out you didn't accomplish it and look back and say, there had to be more. I, I don't believe that's when, when Jesus came on the scene, he spoke of his purpose and how it would directly impact and affect us. And he said, I would, and I have come, that they may have life and that more abundantly. He said, the enemy comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. He's about subtraction. He's about taking away from you. He's about getting you to question things. But my goal, my intent for your life is that you would have life and that more abundantly. 
An abundant life is not a regret-filled life. An abundant life is not a cynical-filled career. An abundant life isn't confusion in our calling, is it? Is that what we're, we're pursuing after? Is that what the mark looks like? I, I think that this is what activity without a target looks like. This is what working but hitting the wrong target looks like. This is what movement without knowing what the target you're aiming at looks like. And as a result, we have people that have pursuit without purpose. They have a career without calling. They have ministry void of mission. They have a vocation without vision. And I can hear Paul's words echoing in the back of my mind as I was preparing this when he said, I press towards the mark. If you look at that word market, it actually means target. He says, I press, I look, I take aim at the target. Paul said that there's a mark, there's a target that you're supposed to be aiming at. It's the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's a clear sense of direction. It's a well-defined purpose. However, I've learned that a purpose or a person without purpose aims at anything that resembles a target. Or let me take it a step further. A person without defined purpose will take aim at every target they see. Ernie, why don't you stand for me? I feel like sometimes this is how life is. and you Let them see what you have in your hands. We have this target. And turn, turn and face me now. And this is how it is. This, this is my life. I'm, I'm pursuing after something. But how often does, does then this happen? Where then another target comes, and, 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 then, and then another, and then, and then back here in the back, another, and then over here on the side, another, and then over here there's a couple, Why and this is, this is what it looks like, this is what ends up happening, and, and, and let's call it what it is, let's call it a job, and we start pursuing a job, and we get someplace and we think, well, I, I'm in so much debt, I, I need a job that pays the bills, and I start going to work Sunday, or Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and I hate it, I hate my job, and so I think, no, this job's not working for me, I, I'm going to try this one over here. Let's just throw something against the wall and see if it sticks, so that's not working, uh, let's try this over here. And we have more people with resumes a mile long that are searching for something but never finding it. Or, or how about ministry? We come in and we want to do something in the kingdom of God. And, and, and we, we look at these and these are opportunities. These are needs we see. I, I tell you what, every place I've gone, I've seen need. Uh, when I was in Africa looking in the eyes of those little children, I saw the need. When I was in El Salvador watching those people come on the back of a truck, 30 people in the back of a truck, I, I saw the need. When, when I was in uh, Antigua, I saw the need. When I, when I went out to Oregon, every place you look, there's need. And if you don't know your purpose, you start going, oh, I'll hit this one, and oh, man, I'm going to go after this one. And you get people that are doing 17 different things in the kingdom of God, and they don't feel fulfilled. Because they, they confuse every target with purpose. And God's saying, no, no, there's some targets I didn't intend you to shoot at. There, there's some things that you're looking at that wasn't my intent and wasn't my design for your life. I didn't put those skills and talents within you. And so you have people that are fostering and trying to develop skills that God's never given them. And they're thinking, why is this so hard? And God's saying, 
it's because I have someone else that I want to hit this target. I have someone else that I've called to hit this target. And so Paul said, I press towards the mark. Everyone else sit down but Ernie. He said, there's a singular mark. There's a singular thing that God has for me. He says, this is what I, what I aim at. This is what I look at. This is when I wake up in the morning and I'm in my prayer closet. I'm saying, God, these, this is the purpose you've put in my life. Uh, th- this is what you want for me. This is what I believe you called me for, God. When I look at wh- who I am, when I look at what you've put inside of me, God, th- this is what I see. You can go ahead and sit down. He said, I press towards the mark. The, the book of Jonah tells us a very familiar story. One we grew up hearing in Sunday school, Jonah and the whale. How many of you heard that when you were growing up in Sunday school, the story of Jonah and this massive fish? And how many of you started to think about, like, how did that work? Like, uh, where, did he, where was he in the fish, you know? I've seen the, the children's drawings, and there's a little stool that the whale had swallowed ahead of time for Jonah and a little night lamp, you know? <laughs> And Jonah, there he is in the belly of the whale, and he like has the cot and everything because God made sure that the, the whale swallowed all those things before it swallowed him. This great fish that God prepared just for this moment. We've made Joseph the poster child of running from God. We look at Jonah, and, and he's the joke of what not to do with purpose. However, one thing is evident, and we cannot take it away from him. Jonah had purpose. Not only that, Jonah was aware of this because he discovered it and was walking in it. Look at 2 Kings chapter 14. Why don't you go there with me? This is the part of the reading at times we skip over because of the big names, but it says in verse 23, In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, one of the last kings, before God would let them go over to Babylon, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned 41 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who had made Israel sin. He restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath, the sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel. And he had spoken through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel was very bitter, and whether bond or free, there was no helper for Israel. So long before his namesake book, long before we get a picture of what not to do, Jonah's moving in purpose. Jonah understands that he's called to be a messenger of God. He knows that that God has clear words for him. And he's saying, Jonah, uh, this is not a general statement that you're making. I'm giving you something very specific for your people. And and you're going to be a prophet to the nation. And you're going to be a weird person because you're going to probably be on the outskirts. And people are going to look at you funny when you come in because they know the hand of God is upon your life. And, And so I will give you the words to speak. And when you speak, you don't speak on your own authority. You say, thus saith the Lord. This is what the Lord is wanting. A prophet would foretell, or they would foretell. They, they, would, they would speak of blessing, or they would speak of curse. And, and the Lord said, long before you're going to choose to walk away and, and run in the opposite direction, you understood your purpose, and he has relationship with God, and it's evident. Although he would eventually mismanage this purpose and wrestle with the complexities of his calling. But, but we, can't, we can't take it away from him. He was called. God had a plan for his life. 
And scripture is replete with men and women that understood this. Joseph understood that his purpose was wrapped in serving the dreams of others. Yeah, I have dreams that God has given me. I've seen things into the future, but but before my dreams are going to come to pass, God is going to use me to help others' dreams come to pass. And so Joseph is faithful to the process as he's pursuing his purpose. How about her? We don't hear much about him except that that when Moses needs support, there's a man that says, hey, I may not be leading the children. I may not have a title, but but I see a need and and I know what I'm able to do. And so I'm going to support the man of God. And so so there he is, her holding up the arms of, of a man whose arms are heavy. And he's saying, I'm fulfilling my purpose. This is what God has called me to do. Jonathan, he realizes he'll never be king, but he could be a friend and a confidant to the future king. And so he lives out his purpose, realizing I could be jealous. I could, be, I could do everything in my power to, 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 to have alliance with my father and try to bring this man down. But no, Jonathan and David are knit to each other, and there's a friendship. And, and the beautiful thing happens here. This is, this is something that's free. Uh, understanding purpose and understanding timing is so important because uh, we, we see David comes before King Saul, and, and King Saul says, uh, okay, you want to fight this giant? All, all right, um, you need to wear my armor into battle. David understood something. If I put on King Saul's armor, I am representing King Saul in front of the people. And and, and David realized that's not my time. Yes, I'm anointed, but, but my timing is not now. And so in Scripture, when we see a garment change, it was a transference that would take place where Saul was almost saying, you are the king. And David said, no, it's not my time. But yet he has relationship with Jonathan, and Jonathan says, I'm going to take off my robes as the future king, and I'm going to give them to you. And David says, okay, timing. Because when you understand purpose, when you understand the reason that God has created you, when you understand the the, the gifts and the abilities that God has put within you. You know the timing and you don't, you don't get ahead of God and you don't try to force doors open and, and you don't just chase after positions because you're, you're patient and you're, you're, you're knowing that God has purpose for you. And so Jonathan would be a confidant. He would be a friend. Or how, how about Mary? Mary understood that, that she was to protect and nurture and raise Jesus, the Savior of the world. John the Baptist, he realized that he was strictly there to pave and prepare the way of the Lord. So when the time came for Jesus to increase, he said, listen, I I must decrease now because he must increase. This was my purpose. This was what my calling was. This was what what my timing was. And and now I'm I'm stepping back because it's time for him to move. Each story is unique. Each story is different. However, what unites each story is that each person discovered and accepted the plan God had specifically for their life. That they understood that they were created with divine design. And so is the case for everyone in this room. All of us have been created with purpose. All of us have been created on purpose. And before we we talk about discovering your purpose, it's important you understand something. that, That your purpose was predetermined. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you, and I ordained you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear forth fruit. You didn't choose your purpose. God did. You're not the author and the finisher of your faith. God is. And so if you have a pen and paper, this might be a little more clinical these next couple weeks. I want you to write this down. My purpose was determined. 
my purpose was determined. It's clearly seen throughout the pages of Scripture. Paul would say to Timothy, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us. He, he, he said that the purpose was given to us. It was entrusted to us. When God created us, he entrusted us with talents. We're not owners. We're merely stewards. And so he has entrusted us with talents and abilities and said, this is all a part and engine of your purpose. The Lord spoke to Jeremiah and told him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. When, when a culture argues what Jeremiah was in the womb and they question at what stage he became alive, God said, listen, it, it, there's no debate in this. When he was in the womb, when he was first just a little size of a peanut, when, when he was just the size of it, before his mother even knew she was pregnant, I, I knew him. I called him. I ordained him. And I had a plan for his life. You see, that's the right of the creator. The creator gets the ability to tell the creation its intended use and purpose. Anytime you play a game, anytime you, you go to the store, you pick out a game, what is the first thing you do when you open it up? You get out the directions and you think, okay, what was the design of the creator and how we should play this? Now, there's some of you that just go, oh, this seems like it makes sense. And you start playing your own rules, and, and it makes sense to, to, to you but nobody else. Everyone comes to your house, and you win because the rules are constantly changing. But for those rule followers, I had Kenny and Marissa over on Friday, and we played uh, some game about goats, goat something, the crazy goats. And before we played it, we watched a two-minute YouTube video. And what the, what the creator's intended design and how that game should be played. And that is how it is for all of our lives. The creator gets the ability to say, I created you, Glenn, and this was my intended purpose for your life. You, you can try to choose your own life. You can try to go your own route, but, but you're going to have a void in your heart. You're going to be running against me. You're going to be going your own. But if you would submit to the process, you'll be exactly where I want you to be. David understood a similar revelation. He said in Psalms 139 and 13, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works in that my soul I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. I want you to know that he thinks about you and his thoughts towards you are precious. <laughs> he said, I, if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. That, that's how much the Lord thinks about you. He says, go to the beach and, and try to pick up each grain of sand and count it. If you can count it, that will give you just a small estimation of how much the Lord constantly, continually is thinking about you. And while David was still growing and developing in his mother's womb, God already had a book, a book written with pages of possibilities. 
God had, had penned. He's the author. Just get this picture of heaven and all these books. And, and when someone comes to earth, God says, that, this is my intended design for your life. Pages of possibility. He said, David, David, if you follow my plan, you're going to grow up to be a leader. David, if you make the right decisions, you're going to be anointed king. David, if you answer my call, you're going to slay a giant. David, if you continue to, to pursue me, I'm going to look at you one day and I'm going to say, that's a man after my own heart. David, if, you keep, if, you, if you're patient with the process and are comfortable being in the wilderness when all of your brothers are serving in the king's courts and you're okay with them being on the stage when you're in obscurity, what you learn in obscurity, someday a church on 21401 will get up behind a group of people and they'll begin to sing the praises out of what you learned in private. All your songs, all your praises, all your laments people will use in time of need and they'll find, they'll find rest and they'll find strength from it. Just like Jeremiah and just like David, the same is true for you. God is a book written with, with your name on it. I know this is the Bible, but let's just say it's, it's your book, Colin. God says, I like that, Colin. He, he's a good man. And I put some really incredible giftings in his life. He's not going to uncover them all today. But as he grows, I'm going to reveal more of my giftings and my talents and my purpose for his life. And I have these pages of possibility. And Colin, I'm looking at the last chapter. And if you could see what's in the last chapter, you would say, God, I couldn't even imagine doing that. And God says, listen, if you just the course. If you stay faithful to my plan, if you just stay faithful in obscurity, no one else is watching you, but if you just stay committed to the process, one day you're going to get to that chapter, and I'm going to unfold it. I'm going to say, now, now is time for you to walk in this. And God has a book with each of your name on it, with pages of possibilities, and he says, listen, if you would just be faithful, if you would just be patient, if you would just discover what I have in store for you, I'll bring it to pass. You need to understand something. There's no accidents in the kingdom of God. There's no purposeless people. There's no misfit toys. There's no fillers. There's no mistakes. Everyone has a divine design. And so, so please don't sit in the pew and say, but you don't know my story. I know your story. I may not know the intricacies of it, but I know it enough to know that God has purpose for your life. Because in the kingdom of God, you don't lose your purpose. You're, you're, never, you're never disqualified from your purpose. You, you don't outgrow your purpose. It never gets to a place where God overrides it and says no. It says the callings and the gifts are irrevocable. They're without repentance. And so you can run as far as you want from God like Jonah did. But God says, listen, I'm going to get you back on track eventually. And guess what? When you come back into the house of God, prodigal son, when you get back to your place where you need to be, your purpose is there waiting for you. I haven't changed the plan. I haven't rewritten the script. I still have the same intent. I still have the same design. I still have the same plans for your life. It's the beauty of the kingdom of God. Even the disappointments, Ernie, even the mistakes, even, even the mess-ups, even the delays, God uses them all. There's things I look back in my life and I say, I wish that wouldn't happen. And God said, listen, it did and I'm going to use it. There's going to be a day where you're going to be counseling with somebody and you're going to pull back to something that you wish you never would have done. And I wish you wouldn't have done it. But since you did it, I'm going to use it for my glory. I'm going to use it so that someone else can be saved. I'm going to use it so someone else can be helped. And so every mistake, every mishap, every detour, every delay, 
God says, listen, you look at it as a setback, but it's a setup to me doing what I want to do in your life. That, that's why Joseph could look at his brothers and say, what the enemy meant for harm, God meant for good. It wasn't God's design that you sold me into slavery, but God used it. You weren't in his will when you did that, when you deceived our father. But God said, listen, I'll use this too. I'll use this too because nothing catches God off guard. So your purpose was determined. However, it's up to you to discover it. And so the next thing I want you to write down is my purpose must be discovered. My purpose must be discovered. I'm sure you've heard it said, but Mark Twain was quoted with saying, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And that's what discovering your purpose is all about. It's finding your why. God, God, why am I here? What is your plan for my life? This must be discovered. This must be prayed about. This must be explored. This is something that has to be revealed by God, but, but before we dig into it, I, I want to clarify something so that we don't get confused. When we talk about purpose or call it the will of God or call it his plan, whatever you want to call it, it's the same thing. I, I've come to learn that there is, there is a general purpose and there is a specific purpose. There is a general will, same thing, and there's a specific will. What do I mean by that? Let me, let me share two things with you. The, the, the first and there's many, of his general purpose for your life. It is God's desire for all of his creation that you would be devoted to him. It's, it's his desire. It's, it's not a calling that he specifically calls, but it's a general call to all who will. He wants you to have relationship with him. He wants you to have communion with him. He wants you to have connection to him. He, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. He said, for without me you can do nothing. He, he said, so my, my general purpose for your life is that you have relationship with me. Because if you don't have relationship with me, you're not going to be able to do anything. Because he said, apart from me, you can do nothing and so we get people who think, I can do it on my own. I discover my purpose, I get my why, and I don't need God anymore. And so then we sever them ourselves, or, or they sever themselves from the body of Christ. They, they sever themselves from the vine, and they try to go out. And yes, God will still allow your talents to be used, but you're going to get to that place of emptiness. Because he says, apart from me, it's not just to make millions. I have more in store for your life. Your purpose is far bigger, and you might think you see just a fraction of it and think you see the full picture. And so he says, you need to be devoted to me. Without being connected, you're going to have a hard time fulfilling that purpose. Without being connected, that's where people who, who don't have the Holy Ghost, they have this void within them, and they're constantly trying to find things to fit inside of it. They, they think, what, what can fill this void? Alcohol, it's only a temporary solution, but, but the void is still there. Relationship, it may, may temporarily fill it, but, but in the, the late hours of the morning or the early hours of the morning, the late hours of night, I'm going to sit there feeling this emptiness. And God says, listen, that, that, that's where you need to be connected to me and let me fill you because when I come inside... I can do more with your life. I can fill every part of it, and I can begin to move in your life. 
And so it's his desire, it's his general will, general purpose that you be devoted. The, the second thing, and there's again many more, is that you be a disciple maker. Jesus' final call to those who would hear was specific, and it was for everyone. He says, go therefore and make disciples. He, he, he didn't just say, okay, um, you, yes, you, you mm, no, you just sit this one out. Yeah, okay, yes, definitely you. Um, no, you know, no, not you. No, he said, everyone, your desire is to share the gospel message. But Jesus, you don't understand something. I'm an introvert. He said, that's okay. I'll use you in the way in which you operate. But, but, but Jesus, you don't understand. I'm an extrovert. Sometimes I'm like, Peter, I get myself into trouble. He says, that's okay. I'll use you too. And so all of us have been called to be Bible study teachers Every job, every place we go, every person we come in contact with, it is his desire that you are a disciple maker, that you're constantly looking for opportunities to spread the gospel. Because here's his purpose. He said, it's not my will, his will, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the only way that's going to happen is if a room full of people realize it's my purpose to reach my world. It's my purpose that on the job, yes, I may have other purposes specific to me, but my general, I need to make sure I'm always telling people about Jesus. Every one of us in this room should always have a Bible study. We, we should always have somebody that we're meeting with on a weekly basis to open the word of God and say, hey, listen, let's talk about this. Let's talk. I want to tell you what Jesus did for me, and, and let me tell you what he can do for you. If you don't have a Bible study, come talk with me. I want, I want you to have a Bible study. And so that's a part of your general purpose. But, but then we get specific. This is something that is specific to you and you only. It's your why. It's your unique reasoning for existing. It's something that, that must be discovered. It's something that, that I have to find. It's a process. It's, it's something I've learned myself that God continually is revealing things. And I'm thinking, I didn't think that, but okay. I didn't see that in me, but okay, God. And, and it's continually something, Tom, that we got to develop. we got to cultivate. We, just because you identify it doesn't mean it just comes to pass. No, I identify it, and then I start to develop it. But it starts with self-awareness. And there's some questions that I have that I think you can ask yourself. Maybe you're here today and you think, all right, I get what you're saying now. I already know this. I already have my purpose. I've been walking in it. And I applaud you and I, I encourage you to continue walking in it. But maybe you're here and you're thinking, I have no idea. I've been serving God 20 years and I still have no idea what his desire is for my life. I, I, I do a whole bunch of stuff and, and I don't know if that's what he wants for my life. And I know, this, I know this seems clinical, but this is critical. Peter said, make your callings and elections sure. He said, be sure about it. Be sure what you've been called to do. Because if you do these things, he said, you'll never stumble. And so let me give you some questions, and you're not going to answer them today, but maybe you write these questions down, and over the course of the next couple of days, you begin to pray about these questions, and you begin to explore them. And maybe what seems foggy or seems cloudy, God begins to bring clarity to it. And so here's the first question. What are, you natural, or what are your natural giftings and talents? What, what makes you uniquely you? What, what are you naturally good at? What, what are things that just come easy to you? And everyone around you looks and just says, yeah, that's, that's Ernie. He's just good at that. 
See, see, this is the beauty of purpose. When we identify our purpose, we don't compare our purpose with one another. We celebrate it. We celebrate the diversity of giftings and the distinct nature that everyone is a little bit differently because this makes up the body of Christ. And so God didn't go copy, paste, 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 paste. No, no, he said, you're uniquely you, Brother Jimenez, and there's no one else like you. And I've put things inside only you. And there might be commonalities, but, but, but then there's Jim. And oh, I love Jim. And, and I got some things that I put inside Jim. Jim's mind works like no other mind I've ever seen. The way he consumes information and, can, and, and he's brilliant. And if you talk with him for just a couple minutes, you'll realize this about him. And that's, that's unique to him. And, and so God has these purposes. And so what are your natural giftings and talents? Question number two, what brings your soul fulfillment? Now, now, let me clarify. What brings your soul fulfillment, not your ego? I want to be on the stage, pastor. I want everyone to see me. No, I'm not talking about your ego. I'm talking about what brings your soul fulfillment. I've learned that there are tasks that I do that just energize me. That, that when I'm, I'm doing a certain thing, I just walk away and I feel like I could have been doing it all day. And I say, come on, let's go. Let's keep going. That these are the things that, that my cup fills full after. These are the things that bring me joy when I accomplish them. And so what are the things that brings your soul fulfillment? Last question, what needs or problems are you passionate about solving? These are the burdens that God has placed within you. And when you think about it, tears start to stream down your face. And, and, and everywhere you go, you see it. You, you just see it. And you're like, why, why do I keep seeing this? Why am I keep drawing back to this? Why does my, my heart get so full when I think about this? It's a burden that God has put within you. Something you wake up thinking about, you go to bed thinking about, and it's, it's so passionate. And you said, even if I don't get paid for it, even if I wouldn't get recognized for it, I would do it because it's the thing that my heart longs to do. I, I remember growing up, if you would have asked me, what, what is your purpose? I, I would have probably told you I love helping people. That would have been it. I, I just love helping people. I, it brings me fulfillment to help people. And, and so I remember my first job at 13 years old, I became a caddy. And I didn't realize it. What, what seemed just like a job that would give me some money allowed me to fulfill my purpose because I would walk with people that were much older than me. And I would begin to, because I knew the game of golf, I would be able to say, hey, you're, you're going to do better with this club. It was, it was trivial, right? But I was helping them, and I had people who liked me, and they would say, hey, I want, I want David to be my caddy. I want him to come alongside me, and I would create connections with people so easily because I cared about them. And then one day, I, I, I worked at Culver's, and I didn't care for Culver's. I worked at Cousins, good, good food, but I didn't care for that. But then I started working in the financial world. At 17 years old, I started working at a bank. And, and I, I realized that, that what I liked about the caddying was the same thing about the bank. I could help people. 
And, and I quickly excelled. I quickly got promoted. And I've always been serving in the bank for 20 years now. And, and I love it. Every day I go to work, I'm so passionate about what I do because I get to help people. I get to sit down with people that, that are 20 and 30 years older than me. And I get to say, hey, listen, let me help you get back on track. Your finances have gotten. I love that because I was always helping people. And, and the more I pursued that, the more God refined it and said, okay, okay, but, but, but it's not just for this. I also want to use it here. And then I started working with youth, and, and I realized the same thing I loved about doing here, the same commonality, that, that, that God would just change the vehicle. And he would say, okay, see, see, that's what we do sometimes is we confuse purpose with position. That's, that's the wrong thing. No, we're not after position. Position is merely the vehicle to accomplish purpose. And so just as Bishop is no longer pastor, doesn't mean he's washed out to sea and, and, and forgotten and, and doesn't know. No, he has still purpose because although his vehicle has changed, he's moving in a new realm of purpose. And the things that he's accumulated over the last 40 years, God's saying, okay, in this next season, it's going to be even greater because you're going to take everything you've learned and I'm going to use you on an even greater level. And so sometimes we get confused because all we see is position. Position at work. Position in my job. And that's why some of us, we've taken a promotion and we've gotten in the promotion and we're miserable because it detached us from our purpose. That, that's why we, we don't chase after money. We chase after the purpose and the will of God. We don't chase after a career. We chase after the calling of God. And if you chase after the calling of God, he will align this. I'm not just talking about preaching. I'm not just talking about what you do at this church. I'm talking what you do outside, what you do Monday through Friday, what you do from 9 to 5. If you understand why God created you, uniquely you, you will begin to thrive. I don't think it's God's will. I think you agree with me. It's not God's will that we merely survive. It's not God's will that we come to church Sunday after Sunday and we think, just punching the time clock and, I, and looking ahead at my week and I'm, oh, I got to do this and this. and th I don't want to look at the future with dread. I don't want to look at what's coming up ahead and think I have to do that. I want to think I get to do this. God, you've given me this. You've given me breath in my lungs. You've given me purpose in my heart. And every day I get to pursue after what you want from my life. Why don't you stand with me? It's, it's our desire to discover the purpose. Understand awareness without action produces stagnation and disappointment. Just, just if you know but you don't do, you'll be disappointed. But in the same token, action without awareness, you'll be doing without knowing, and you'll be frustrated and discouraged. There's more I had to say, but I think this is a good place to stop. God, earlier this week, brought a conversation I hadn't thought about to my memory a number, well, a long time ago. I, uh, when I graduated high school, I did my first semester at Carroll College. And uh, a pastor up north reached out to me and said, hey, would you come and would you be a a youth pastor. And I remember feeling so inadequate. I remember feeling like, I don't know. But I, but I had made a commitment to God that I would always say yes if it was his will. I prayed about it and God said yes. 
I served there for four, four months. The first week I was there, a parent came up to me and, and said, I don't know why you're here. We don't want you. And that started a four-month journey of God stretching me and teaching me things, showing me things in myself. And I remember at the end of the four months, I was getting ready to propose to Angie. And I remember talking to my dad. And he said, David, I think it's God's will that you come back. And then I started talking to the pastor up there, and he said, David, I think it's God's will that you stay. I remember being so confused. I thought, God, do you have two wills? <laughs> and in that, in that time of decision, a mentor of the pastor, well-respected man, came into town to preach. And he said, I, I, want, I want him to take you out to to breakfast. Brother Ellis began to talk with me about the will of God. Began to talk to me about this. David, this is the, the general will and this is the specific will. And these are questions you need to ask. And, and it was new to me and I was, I was, I was soaking it all up. And I, I don't remember all the details of the conversation, but I do remember at the end of our time, about a week or so later, I got a letter in the mail from him. Talked about our time together and how he enjoyed it. And at the end of his letters, what I remember distinctly, and it, and it impacted me greatly, he closed out his letter. As I later found out, he closed every letter out. And he said, the will of God at any cost. And it impacted me because I had realized that I had been looking at the will of God as something casual. I'd been looking at purpose maybe a little careless. And as I began to think about that, I was reminded of Jesus who, who came on this earth and he said, I come from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And, and as a result, every interaction in his three and a half year ministry was filled with purpose and intention. Every place he went, we, we must go through Samaria. It was deliberate. Nothing was by accident. Jesus didn't live at the whims of people. He lived at the will of the Father. And so when people said, you should be awake, he was sleeping. And when people said, you should come and see Lazarus, he said, no, I'm going to stay a little bit longer. Everything was deliberate because he was walking in purpose. And no place do we see it clearer than in the Garden of Gethsemane when he wrestles with his humanity. And he said, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. On this first week, in this first lesson in this series, I, you may not know, but, but I'm, I'm wondering if just someone would step out of their pew and say, the will of God at any cost. I may not know what I'm going after, but I've already made up my mind that until I know I'm going to give everything, I'm, whatever the price, I want my purpose to be to fulfill the divine purpose that God has for my life. I open up this altar today for you and I pray that as you come that, that maybe maybe you're here lost and that I'm asking God today that he would reiterate or remind or reveal the purpose he has for you. Maybe you're here and you know you, you know your purpose. You've been walking in it and maybe maybe just maybe you're tired or, 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 or discouraged. I'm going to pray that God would just reinfuse you with passion that as you pursue the things he has for you, that you would remind 
and remember every day that you're walking in the purpose of God. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you would touch us today. Lord, it's not our will, but it's your will that we want to be accomplished, that we want to be done. So, Lord, I pray that you would touch every person under the sound of my voice. God, help us not to just survive. Help us not to just feel that it's your desire for us to just live in mediocrity, to live to what feels right. But God, we want to be people that fulfill what you want us to fulfill. We want to submit to God your creative design for our lives. So I pray that you would touch, that you would speak, that you would reveal, that you would remind you would encourage these fine people under the sound of my voice. That you would let them know, God, how much you love them. Strengthen them, Jesus. God, help them to, to, to set their eyes on the mark of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, not to, not to seek position, but to seek the will of the Father. In every job, Lord, in every ministry opportunity. Lord, with every day. God, we want you to be our counselor. We want you to lead us. We want you to guide us. We want you to order our steps. You said the steps of a good man are ordered. So order our steps today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.